Many of us are familiar with the hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. I want to read um, a verse from that. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Precious words. What you might not know is that the author, William Cooper, battled significant depression most of his life and actually tried to commit suicide multiple times. Yet this hymn, which he wrote near the end of his life, has served countless Christians in their own battles with despair and anxiety and unbelief and depression. And William Cooper reminds us that those who know God's character and promises don't always live in the good of them. We can judge the Lord by feeble sense instead of trusting him for his grace. And I should know because in the mid-90s, I went through almost three years of battling anxiety, confusion, and depression, all fueled by an overwhelming and constant sense that my life was hopeless. So what you hear this morning is not theory. I mean, nothing in Scripture is theory. It's fact. Uh, but what I'm preaching this morning has been a, is a truth that really has saved my life. I experienced during that time panic attacks, tightness in my chest, a sense of detachment from life, uh, thoughts of dying soon, and a profound sense that God wasn't with me anymore. Some of you have experienced something like that, and some of you might be experiencing that right now. Uh, I was saying to Sharon Powell, you know, when you ask someone right now, how are you doing? That's a loaded question. Uh, because who, who even knows how they're doing? I just read that a study was conducted that found, had found that since COVID started, depression has been on the rise. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. What a surprise. So you might be going through something like, like this now. You might have experienced something like this in the past. You remember a time when God felt near? when the songs you sang were passionate and you were engaged and joy was evident, but now it's gone. That's what you might be going through right now. Whether you can relate to my experience or not, at some point, every Christian is going to find themselves in a fight for joy. We are going to be battling for joy in God. And that's why the Psalms are such a gift. They flesh out the internal struggles we have and they show us how to have hope in God in the midst of them. David Powlison, a dear biblical counselor, uh, a, uh, yeah, just so insightful in so many ways, he said, the Psalms have always been favorites of God's people because they express honest human experience emotion and emotion in the context of faith. In the Psalms, you meet God where you are. Don't you want God to meet you where you are? Don't you want to know that you don't have to go somewhere to meet God, that he will meet us right where we are? We're not trying to find a way to get to God this morning. Well, we're going to see in his word that God has indeed come to us. And as we study Psalm 42 and 43 this morning, one thing will become clear, and that is in our fight for joy, God himself is our only hope. 
That is good news. That's comforting. And it's true. And for the sake of time, rather than read through those two psalms, I'm, we're going to read through them as we go. But let me pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in outside in your creation. <laughs> what a gift. Uh, we thank you that we can be together. We thank you for your word, which gives hope and life and joy to all those who believe it, because it's true. So we ask that by your spirit, you'd open our eyes to see that our hope can only be found in you. And that's because of Jesus Christ, his life, his substitutionary death, his glorious resurrection. And we pray in his name. Amen. So we're going to look at three stages in a fight for joy, okay? Whether you've had this fight in the past, whether you're going through it now, or whether you're going to go through it in the future. These are three things to remember about the fight. The first is remembering joy. That's a category in the Bible, remembering joy. We're going to read verses, Psalm 42, verses 1 through 6a. He says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Actually, we'll stop right there. The psalm begins with the psalmist longing for God's presence because he's currently not experiencing it. He's in a dry and remote and distant place, and we don't know why he's there. We just know that he feels far from God, and it's painful. It's like a deer looking for water in the desert. So thirsty, parched throat, cannot find water. That's what he feels. So he remembers what he's no longer experiencing. In verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the, with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. He used to lead God's people in praise. He was surrounded by worshipers at the temple, joyfully shouting, singing, reminding themselves and each other of God's steadfast love and goodness. But now, all that's gone. Just silence, just emptiness. Although it's not completely silence, he has some people around him who are taunting him, saying things like, where is your God? Look at you. Look how irrelevant and futile your faith is. Look what trusting in God has gotten you. Nothing. Why do you keep believing in him? Where is your God? Now, you don't have to be in a remote desert to hear those voices. And you don't even have to hear them from people around you. You might wake up tomorrow morning and hear those voices saying, where, why are you doing this? Why are you following Jesus? What? It's not helping you. There's nothing good coming out from this. They're taunts and they're tormenting and sometimes they can be persistent. And those kinds of that kind of opposition leads the psalmist to say, to, to express a really deep grief. He says, my tears have been my food. That's what happens sometimes when people get so sad they stop eating. 
because they're feeding off their sadness. And it's in these times that we're tempted to look to anywhere for relief. We've become susceptible to false solutions, false hopes, and false gods. Well, just, just give me some relief. That's why what the psalmist does right now is so important. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He's talking to himself. And most of the time when someone's talking to themselves, it's not a good sign. Like if Julie sees me talking to myself, she'll say, what are you doing? But in this case, it's a good thing. In fact, it's wisdom. In his really helpful book, Spiritual Depression, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? We're really good at listening to ourselves, not so good at talking to ourselves. He goes on to say, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must say to yourself, hope in God. I love this. Instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, and what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. That is gold. That's what's happening right here. At the very point, the psalmist could be muttering, depressing thoughts to himself, worried thoughts, anxious thoughts, despairing thoughts. He challenges himself. He says, hope in God. I shall again praise him. Now, it would be great. It would be really sweet if the psalm ended right there. You know, I've been through a hard time. I feel distant. Oh, come on, soul. Hope in God. Yeah, all right. I'm going to hope in God. Problem solved. We solved the problem. Problem solved. But that's not what happens. Right after he exhorts himself to hope in God, in verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. He would just ask himself, why are you cast down on my soul? And now he says, my soul is cast down within me. Sounds like we're right back where we started. Like just kind of this hamster wheel, just going, just going round and round. We're not getting anywhere. But as we read on, we'll see that something's happening. The psalmist is progressing from remembering joy to pursuing joy. That's the second step in finding our joy in God alone, our hope in God alone. So in verse 7, he says, Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and out of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. So we learn that the pursuit of joy isn't easy. This isn't, you know, this is the second water reference in the psalm, right? The first was quiet streams, deer looking for a quiet stream. Now it's a waterfall, and he's under it. And he is turned upside down, and he's saying, what is going on? But even in the midst of this turmoil, he's aware and this is part of pursuing joy. God's still in control. He writes, these are your breakers and your waves. Did you catch that? They're your breakers, your waves. You're bringing these things on me. 
that brings such peace to know that what I'm going through right now is something that God has brought. Your breakers, your ways. But even in the midst of the, the acknowledgement that these are God's breakers and God's ways, actually I say because he's aware that they're God's breakers and God's ways, he turns to the Lord. He says in verse 8, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. That's what he's doing. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. No matter how he feels, no matter what he's experiencing, no matter how he's been disappointed, he knows that God is involved. Day and night, the Lord, day and night, the Lord commands his steadfast love. He's not rolling the dice to see if there will be steadfast love. He commands steadfast love, and it's the steadfast love that he's shown to thousands. It's the steadfast love that endures forever. And so the psalmist sings and prays. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Have you ever caught yourself saying or thinking, you know, I don't really feel like praising God right now. Someone tries to encourage you, you know, just praise the Lord. I don't feel like praising God right now. Or you come on a Sunday morning, you know what, this is great, everybody's here. I just don't feel like praising God. Here's good news. We don't have to feel like praising God to praise God. Because he's worthy of our praise. Singing not only expresses our emotions for God, it's also meant to engage them. Singing reminds us of the truths we've forgotten. And singing God's word, specifically singing the gospel, is one of the best ways to counsel ourselves when we feel depressed, out of it, or confused. You know, we think we have to get to a place where we want to listen to worship songs. No, no, no. It might be that worship songs and the truth they contain help engage your emotions so that you know what you should be feeling. That's, that's what we were doing this morning. You know, I don't know. This is a really unique setting for me, and I imagine it's for you all, though you've probably gotten used to it by now, but I'm seeing her watching these birds fly over up, you know, getting all spiritual analogies out of that, and, and just thinking, I, I'm having a hard time concentrating, that's what I'm saying. But then, in the middle of before the throne, I'm thinking, when Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, upward I look, and see him there who made an end of all my sin. That's what singing does. It reminds, singing the truth, singing the, the gospel, it reminds us, it counsels us. So he's, he's pursuing joy, he's recognizing, he's remembering God's involved in this, but even in the midst of trusting God, expressing trust in God, he says this in verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Even as we express faith in God, we can be honest about where we're at. We can be honest about our discouragement. We don't have to hide it. And in the pursuit of joy, the psalmist isn't afraid to ask questions, and we shouldn't be afraid to ask questions either. This is not a message, and Christianity is not a faith that tells you to put on a plastic smile and just... Just, just make it through. That's not what God does. He changes hearts. He changes lives. 
Sometimes people question God sinfully, out of anger, out of bitterness, unbelief. They're disappointed with God. They're angry at him, resentful of him. God, why did you let this happen? God, why am I going through this? God, what's going on? Where are you? That's not what the psalmist is doing here. He's asking questions because his experience doesn't line up with who he knows God is. He says, God, I know you're a God of steadfast love, but man, it sure doesn't seem like I'm getting much steadfast love right now. God, I, I know you're a God of faithfulness, but sure doesn't seem to me like you're being faithful right now. I know you're good, but this doesn't feel good. So what's going on? And right here, we have modeled for us a prayer of lament. This is what a prayer of lament looks like. Laments are a gift from God. And I've come to understand this better as I've gotten older. They help us not only process our grief and our confusion, but they help us better understand our hearts and what we're trusting in. Humbly asking questions about God often leads to asking questions about our own hearts, which is what the psalmist does again in verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Right, He's questioning God first, and now he's questioning himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's asking himself questions, not God. And you notice this is the second time that refrain comes. That's why it's called a refrain. We're going to see it again in Psalm 43. And this is what progress often looks like, questioning our perspective, our thoughts, our conclusions, speaking the truth to ourselves again and again and again. You know, so often we just want the problem to be over, the situation to be over, and God says, no, I'm changing you, so keep coming to me, ask the questions again and again, speak to yourself again and again. John Newton had William, I'm sorry, William Cooper had John Newton to help him through his depression. John Newton was his pastor for 13 years. He used to ask him to take walks with him. He invited him to write a hymnal with him, the only hymnal from which we get the Psalms. There is a fountain filled with blood. Amazing grace is in there. Uh, and he also, after he was pastor, he, John Newton left, moved to another city, wrote him letters for 20 years. I had Gary Ricucci in my life. Many of you know Gary. Uh, I am now serve on staff with him. But Gary, when I was going through this season, dark season that I went through, I was sitting at breakfast with he and Betsy one day, Julie and I were just having breakfast together at a conference, and I told Gary, I feel completely hopeless. And he, Gary looked at me in his loving, pastorly way and said, I don't think you're hopeless enough. And I thought, that's not exactly what I thought you'd say. <laughs> you're like the kind, loving, gentle pastor, and that sounds harsh and cruel and un unsympathetic. But you know what? It was exactly what I needed to hear. Because after that, every time I felt hopeless, I reminded myself of these truths. I feel hopeless. I am hopeless apart from Jesus. But Jesus died for hopeless people, and I'm one of them. And just going through that pattern of thought over and over and over and over again, eventually got me to the place where I realized, you know what? I'm completely hopeless. That's a great thing. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. That's, that's where it got me to. So when you're battling for joy, don't stop repeating the truth to yourself and don't stop listening to others because when we repeat the truth to ourselves, 
we eventually find a growing faith, a growing confidence and trust, which leads to the third stage in our fight for joy, and that is expecting joy. So we've talked about remembering joy, pursuing joy, and now we expecting joy. Psalm 43. Struggle continues, but the psalmist is more aggressive in the pursuit. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In the midst of the problems and the conflicts and the questions, the psalmist continues to persevere. He's not given up. He realizes there are no quick and easy solutions. And I'm looking at some of you in this congregation who you know that oh so well. There are no quick and easy solutions. There's no silver bullet. The refrain keeps coming back. The battle continues, and that's how God grows our faith. The good news is that God himself gives us the strength to persevere. Romans 15.5 says he's the God of endurance and encouragement. And sometimes the wisest thing we can do is talk to ourselves, trust God, and take the next step. Just take the next step. I was at, like that at one point in my dark season where I just knew, okay, I woke up, I feel completely hopeless, I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to go take a shower, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to eat breakfast, okay, I can do those things. Just taking the next step with trust in God. So, the psalmist then declares in verse 3, Send out your, your light and your truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And here's really the high point of the psalm, and here's often the main problem. We live by our light and our truth. And the psalmist is saying, send out your light and your truth. We claim to feel hopeless, but we are absolutely confident in our own perspective. We're convinced God has forgotten us. We know he has. We know he can't help us. He doesn't see us, that, we've, that, that we're lost. We're sure no one has been through what we've been through. No one understands. But that's trusting in our own light and our own truth, not God's. During the season I went through, I thought I was hopeless. Actually, I had plenty of hope. And this is what I learned over a few years. I had plenty of hope. I had hope in myself. I had hope in my circumstances. I had hope in other people's opinions of me. I opened my perspective, and every one of those hopes disappointed me. But I had every reason for hope in Jesus Christ. And I learned that I wasn't hoping him in him the way God wanted me to. And as God's light and truth inform our perspective, our expectation of joy grows. So the psalmist writes in verse 4, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. He's back to singing again, although not quite. He's thinking about it. It's coming. It's coming. Our joy doesn't spring from a change in our circumstances or feelings, but in a change from our pers in our perspective. I'm going to say that one more time. Our joy doesn't spring from a change in our circumstances or feelings, but from a change in our perspective. And right now, all he can see is, God, my exceeding joy. 
and he anticipates once again joining in with God's people to worship God, to be with God, his exceeding joy. And that's why God takes us through dark seasons. Every disappointment, every failure. He wants us to see that in our fight for joy, God himself is our only hope. It doesn't come through getting something that we want so bad. It doesn't come through this situation changing. It doesn't come through a new spouse or new parents or new children. It comes through a change in perspective. The goal of the battle against emotional turmoil isn't simply emotional peace. It's knowing Christ. That he is our answer. He is our refuge. He is our joy. So the, we, we hear the refrain one more time. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And don't you feel it's a little more confident this time? Doggone it, I am going to praise him. He is my salvation. He is my God. Now, we have an advantage that the psalmist didn't have. He, he prayed that God would send forth his light and his truth. What's God's light and truth for us? Well, certainly it's the word of God. But it's the word of God as it points to Jesus Christ, who said, I am the light of the world. And John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the greatest discoveries I made through this dark season was that there was no secrets I had to, 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 to find out. There was no special key that I didn't know about it. No discovery that no one had told me about. It was in Jesus Christ. He was my light and my truth. God has sent his light and his truth to us. And he was born as a baby and he lived a perfect life where he never gave in to temptation but obeyed his father joyfully and perfectly all his life so that he could bear the weight of God's wrath against our sins in his body on the tree, paying for every one of them, rise from the dead, ascend to his father's right hand where he's interceding for us now, praying, interceding, making sure that we will one day joyfully welcome him as he returns for the bride that he redeems. That is good news. That's the light and the truth we need to remember when we're fighting for joy. This is the psalmist's word to us. Hope in God. He will not falter. He will not fail us. He will not forsake us. And one P.S. The fight for joy is never just about you. If the psalmist had not gone through these trials, we would not have these words of Scripture. If William Cooper had not gone through what he went through, we'd never have the hymns he wrote. If I had not gone through what I went through, I would not be preaching this message to you. I could still preach the psalm, but I wouldn't preach it like this. Think about what God wants to do through your life. Think how he wants to bring glory to Jesus. At the time when you feel the weakest, you feel most out of it, just think about how God might want to use you in the days to come to testify of his grace, all by his grace, for his glory, and through Jesus Christ alone, because he deserves all the praise.
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to feast on your word. What riches you've given us, what hope you've given us. I pray for everyone who is currently enduring a trial, Lord, that you would turn their hearts by your spirit day after day after day to their only hope, to find that in the fight for joy, our only hope is you, as you've revealed yourself to us in Jesus. And I trust you to do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.